Well, in Southeast Agnet's Ag in Review for the weekending June 20, 2014, the waters of the U.S. continue to be a major story, as actually some tempers flare during a House Ag subcommittee meeting this past Thursday. Ag Undersecretary for Natural Resources and Environment Robert Bonney maintained conservation practices under the interpretive rule are still voluntary. But according to the Hagstrom Report, subcommittee chair Glenn Thompson said the standards have gone from voluntary to compulsory. He said if farmers and ranchers don't want to face the consequences, fees and interruptions of the Clean Water Act, it is compulsory. But tippers did flare as House Ag lawmakers accused USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service of being complicit in EPA's planned expansion of its water's jurisdiction to the possible detriment of ag conservation. Voluntary is what NRCS and Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack is calling 56 farming and ranching conservation practices exempted from EPA's proposed waters of the U.S. rule. But Oregon Democrat Kurt Schrader disagreed and joined Republicans to charge NRCS is complicit with EPA and the Army Corps and the largest land grab ever and one that may discourage conservation practices and should be withdrawn. As a matter of fact, this was the exchange between Schrader and Bonnie. You are trying to establish regulatory guidelines, standards by which a person farms, and you have no business doing so. I don't believe we're trying to do That's that. That's exactly we're, what you do. There's only 56 ways. I see it. I, I'm reading it right here, man. There's only 56 ways you can do things. Voluntary. And it is not voluntary. You keep saying that. That's wrong. Nothing voluntary about getting your butt sued because you didn't do one of these 56 practices. Schrader actually blasted the two-part USDA EPA rule, citing a Supreme Court opinion that waters of the U.S. must be relatively permanent, standing or flowing, not occasional or intermittent flows. But Bonnie said it's clear the waters of the U.S. issue has been a deep concern for agriculture, but he did say the number of exemptions has been increased through a voluntary basis, so the hope is it will be accepted as the opportunity it is. In other news, Tyron Spearman reports there were no changes in the peanut price this week, but peanut planting is about done in most areas. National posted price on peanuts stayed the same this week, $424.74 per ton for runner-type peanuts. Shell market price holding at $0.45 a pound for medium peanuts and jumbo peanuts. The market has moved very little in the last few weeks. Peanut crop is about planted, 96% according to USDA's Ag Statistics Service. In Georgia, they say theirs is all planted with 16% blooming. That compares to a five-year average of 24. Pegging peanuts at 3%, normally at 4. They said the conditions are 3% poor, 31 fair, 52 good, and 14% excellent in Georgia. Cotton and peanut crops look good, could use some rain, officials said. Alabama says they are 86% complete and should be finishing up the short rows this week. Peanut pegging at 19%. The five-year average is 7%. Florida now reporting 97 to 98% planted on peanuts. Peanuts pegging 8%. Their five-year average is 4 They said the conditions of their crop was 1% poor, 17% fair, 80% good, and 2% excellent. I'm Tyron Spearman for our Southeast Agnet. Thanks, Tyron. And another issue that continues to be big news of the hog industry across our country is the porcine epidemic diarrhea virus. Well, word came out this week that producers now have another tool in the fight against the PED virus, and Gary Crawford has those details. U.S. hog producers now have their first conditionally licensed vaccine for the PED virus. The Agriculture Department this week granting a conditional license to Harris Vaccines Incorporated. The vaccine actually had been available already, but only by a justified prescription from a veterinarian. But Dr. Byron Ripke with the USDA Center for Veterinary Biologics in Ames, Iowa, says now with the USDA conditional license... It essentially can be sold, marketed, 
anywhere within the United States and to anybody. So a producer's got a lot more access to that vaccine. Much like when human medicines go from prescription only to over-the-counter sales, right? That's probably a fairly good analogy. The conditional license also means... The efficacy has not been fully demonstrated to the level that would be required for a full license, but the product has been licensed based on limited data that indicates that the product will most likely be effective. Gary Crawford for the U.S. Department of Agriculture, Washington. Thanks, Gary. And Dr. Ripke also explains how the PED vaccine would be administered. The normal strategy is to is to really vaccinate the, the sow, the, the mother, and to make sure that she's got high circulating levels of antibody. And, of course, that antibody is is present in the colostrum in her milk when she feeds her baby pigs. And so that that antibody gets transmitted to them and helps protect them from picking up the virus and and becoming uh, infected infected or clinically ill with it. So the strategy is to to vaccinate the mother and protect the the offspring. And switching now to cotton, growers from across the Beltline were in Cary, North Carolina earlier this week, taking part in a tour put together by the Cotton Board. They were able to see their dollars at work at Cotton Incorporated's research facility. Cotton is grown in 17 states in the country, and 16 of them were represented at this tour, including the three we cover here in the southeast, Alabama, Florida, and Georgia. I talked with growers from each of our states, including Scott Saucer from Frisco City, Alabama, who told me the tour was a wonderful experience. We have learned a lot about where our cotton goes after it is picked and baled and shipped. Um, a lot of marketing goes into it. A lot of people that you didn't think get involved get involved in it. And like I said, it's real interesting, to, especially as far as the imports and exports of it. What surprised me the most was how competitive cotton has got to be to keep up with all the textile industries the synthetics crops and polydesters and all that saucer said the information given made him realize even more how global of a crop he's growing what you're growing doesn't stay here it goes everywhere it's a part of the whole world you know they showed pictures of hong kong japan australia we're all having to work together to make this industry work and he said he understands much better now where his dollars actually go. Another person on the tour was Dexter Gilbert of Malone, Florida. And when I asked him what he thought about it all. I'm amazed, really amazed. Never been to this level. See where the cotton goes from the gin. I mean, just, you know, just amazing the technology and all that good stuff, what goes on here at uh, Cotton Incorporated. And Gilbert, seeing how global the industry is, learned one thing for sure do the best job I can with quality on my cotton. Um, we think about yield, but quality is real important also. And he also felt his dollars were really going to good use. I was also able to catch up with Terrell Jones from Lumpkin, Georgia, who said he too gets a better feel of what his dollars are doing. I do. I do. They've got a lot going on and we're very impressed with it. Just the, the capabilities that they have in their research labs, the, the yarn spinning and fabric knitting and the whole nine yards. I didn't realize it was as in-depth as it was. And if talking with someone down the road who had a chance to take this tour, what would he tell them? I would absolutely recommend it. As a matter of fact, that was pretty much the answer from all three, is that's what the Cotton Board designed this tour to do, is give cotton growers a better understanding of all of the aspects of what happens once each bale leaves the gin. And to wrap up this week's Ag and Review, the 2014 Florida Cattlemen's Association Convention and Trade Show wrapped up this week, too. It was a big event, and taking over the gavel as president of the association was Henry Kempfer from St. Cloud, and he said he's very honored and excited to serve as president over the next year. 
I do have some things in mind that we want to uh, pursue this year. To start with, I, I want to make sure we follow through with the Florida State Beef Checkoff uh, that was initiated by our state directors. They came to us about a year and a half ago, and we followed through with it, and we're going to try to get that pushed through the legislation next spring. Hopefully we can get that done and have a referendum and be voted on sometime before too late next year and, and get that thing passed. So uh, I'm really excited about that, but it's going to take a lot of educating our producers so they'll better understand why we're doing that and, and what that money will be used for. Another thing I really want to work hard on this year is go after the state agencies for leasing some more of their uh, the state-owned lands for our producers. Uh, that's something that we can do for our producers. Instead of asking them for something, uh, I want to try to do something for them. And I really want to push the state to open up some more of these grazing lands and, uh, and, and have some more availability there for some of these young producers to get involved or smaller producers to expand their operations as well. He said FCA is also kicking off their Leadership Academy this year. Kind of similar to our young cattlemen's tour that we have done but we're we're kind of changing that up we're going to do four different sessions uh two to three day sessions scattered throughout the year uh in four different areas of the state we're really excited about bringing up some new potential leaders and and getting them involved in our association and, and just showing them what it's all about as a matter of fact kemper also mentioned the honor and privilege he feels to be the third in his family to serve as president following in the footsteps of his father and his grandfather and, of course, you can find all of these along with the other stories from this past week on our website. That's southeastagnet.com. Randall Wiseman, Southeast Agnet.